Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. And good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us, MileEyesports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at Mace Denver, at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. Always tell you about the great promotions going on at Sasquatch Casino, and you are going to love this one. They're giving away over $17,000 or up to $30,000 towards the lease or a purchase of an applicable vehicle from Omera Ford. How do you like that? Grand prize drawings, January 22nd and 23rd. Head on up there, see how you can win that. Lots of different ways you could do it. Not to mention, we're going to send you up there with something in your pocket. All you have to do is be the first, second, third, or fourth caller in the second hour of the show. We'll do it at 5 o'clock. First four callers are going to get 50 bucks each to gamble up there. If you've won in the past, you are not eligible to win again. Mace, how are you? I'm doing very well. We'll probably get into this later, but uh, I learned something about Bill Belichick last night. Oh, we definitely will be yeah. talking about that. I, I mean, have a... No I I have a new conclusion on him. A new conclusion about him that can only that can be the only explanation for certain things. Okay, well, I tell you what, and that's what we'll get into later on. No, no, we're we're going to get into it later on for sure. But this is what I would like you to do. I would like you to give us a one sentence tease. Can you do that? Yes. What is it? Or actually, I'll give you two words or three words. He's not human. Wow. How do you like that? He's not human. Okay, we'll go with that. Time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Go get some tonight in Denver, Centennial, Longmont, Lions, and Estes Park. You're more of a stat guy than I am, and I am kind of surprised that neither of us, if we're being completely honest, have caught this. The Broncos' wide receivers have caught a total of seven touchdown passes this season. Seven through 12 games. Cortland Sutton has three. Tim Patrick has four. And Jerry Judy, the guy we all thought was going to break out, we kept saying during training camp, man, this guy's got some synergy. Bridgewater and Judy have some uh, some synergy. They are on the same page. And Judy has a goose egg on the board. With that, when you look at seven touchdowns total for the wide receivers, is this more about Bridgewater or is it more about Shermer? Well, when you brought this up, I decided to kind of go and look and see, all right, what did we see from the Panthers wide receivers last year? Okay. okay. And they have some good receivers. Now, hold on. Before you go any further, are you taking into account no Christian McCaffrey? Well, most of the season was without Christian McCaffrey. Okay, I'm just, just okay. asking. Hey, All right. Good. Christian McCaffrey last year only played three games for them. Correct. Okay. Yep. So, Panther touchdowns from the Panthers' wide receiver position in 2020. And again, like I said, they've got DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson are very good wide receivers. They also had 
two guys, or is it three guys that all caught over a thousand yards worth of passes? Uh, they had was two. It guys. two? Yeah, those two: DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. And is Both. Sutton or Patrick anywhere close to that? No, they're not. DJ Moore four touchdown catches. Robbie Anderson three, and then another three from Curtis Samuel, who, as you know, is kind of a kind of a hybrid type of player. So that's over. 16 games, that's 10 touchdowns from the wide receiver position. Now, so I, that's that's one reason why I'd say it, it's not all one or the other, but I'd say Bridgewater being more of a horizontal thrower than a vertical thrower mm-hmm. is definitely culpable in this. I mean, let's call it like it is. It's he, probably 75-25 Bridgewater. 75-25 Bridgewater is the problem. Yeah, Well, compared to Shermer. And if you look at his history, I believe he has a career high of touchdown passes. Yeah, at 16. Yeah. So roughly, roughly half of his touchdown passes have been to wide receivers. So mm-hmm. bravo to him, right? At least half are. But we knew last year coming in, one of the things that we mentioned when the Broncos brought him in, and that was an issue, was a low red zone efficiency. Well, I'll tell you this. For the Panthers last year when Bridgewater was the quarterback. Well, I'll tell you this. I am guessing... George Payton knew this when he brought in Teddy Bridgewater, that he doesn't throw a lot of touchdown passes. He probably thought by upgrading the wide receiver position for him with Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, and Tim Patrick, and K.J. Hamler, that maybe Bridgewater would be in the neighborhood of, I don't know, 22 to 25 touchdown passes. Mm-hmm. If that was his assumption... And he may well get he may well get to 22. He might. Because... You know, it, there are five games left. Six touchdown passes in five games would actually be just a little below his current rate. Right. But if you're George Payton and you're giving that type of money to Tim Patrick mm-hmm. and Cortland Sutton, now there's another reason why you can't bring him back. Or am I making too much of it? I I don't think you're making too much of it here. I, now... Again, nobody's saying that Teddy Bridgewater is a long-term answer. We've never said that. No, and I agree with you. But the question is, is he a short-term answer if you draft a quarterback next year, or are you even looking at other areas? I mean, you see some contract valuation websites that speculate that Bridgewater could be in the 14 to $16 million range, uh, year year range next year. Is that the right? allocation of resources or are you better say trying to get a Gardner Minshew from the Eagles for a fourth round pick well you and, and getting I wanted him, on him. The, yeah well he, at least last year we did yeah we did and you know what if you saw him Sunday against the Jets wanting to step in for Jalen Hurts he was basically the same Gardner Minshew that we saw in Jacksonville and that's where it, it sort of gets interesting do they start looking at potential other solutions even if they can't get Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson and you say, okay, we need a bridge. But if Bridgewater ends up thinking, I can get $14, 18000000 million, do you simply say, we're better off having someone who is much cheaper, even though Bridgewater we know can be a good mentor? Are you better off? Is, is that worth, say, $16 million next year for him versus a little over a million for Gardner Minshew, and you'd probably have to give up the fourth-round pick? Teddy Bridgewater is the wrong quarterback for this team. And he is for two reasons. Or actually, two reasons. Man, I can go on. First of all, let me say he's better than Drew Locke, period. He's the best option they have. Yes. It doesn't say very much, right. but he, he was and is right. 
And I think we've seen that based on the three quarters of play we've gotten from Drew Locke this year. Bridgewater still is the best option they have right now. With all of that said, you know, we're, we're looking at, honestly, the secondary problem when it comes to Teddy Bridgewater and wide receivers. Forget about the touchdowns. He doesn't pass to him. He doesn't pass to him. I mean, how many catches has Cortland Sutton had in the last three, four games? How many catches has Tim Patrick had in the last three, four games? Jerry Judy didn't get much work in the last game. So if you have all those high-priced toys and you don't have a driver that feels comfortable hopping in the seat to drive that car around the track because he's too cautious, then you got to get another driver. Because you really do have some high-horsepower cars that are ready to race at the Indy 500, but the driver's too afraid to make chances or take chances. you got to find somebody else. And well, I don't mean I don't mean yeah. I don't mean take so many chances like Drew Locke. You have to find a happy medium. Well, well, Judy did have seventy-seven yards on Sunday, on four catches. So well, no, no, but you but you're right. cherry picking. No, you, I, no, I'm not cherry. No, no, what I mean by that is, I, I get that. That that's great that he had four catches well, for seventy-seven. Well, you but you mentioned they didn't really do anything. He and but what I think is more interesting. I'm is, talking about the number well, of no. times the guys well, get catches. I think it's interesting to look at what they're what what catches they're getting since Jerry Judy came back into the lineup all right because Judy of course returned there in week eight against Washington so starting with that point Jerry Judy has 22 receptions in five games Mm -hmm. so that's about four and a half per game that's pretty reasonable right I mean over if he played a full a full 17 game schedule that would put him on pace for what, 70 catches? Cortland okay. Sutton hasn't had more than three right. catches in his last five games. Well, yeah, and so now you go to the rest of them. So so Jerry Judy has 22 receptions in the last five games. Tim Patrick has 13 receptions mm-hmm. in the five games since Judy Nine came back. Nine for Cortland Sutton. Exactly. And Sutton was actually production-wise doing just fine before Jerry Judy came back. I think what it is is you've got a situation where You've got three. You've got three quality receivers, but when you have a quarterback like Teddy Bridgewater, who is loath to push it down the field on a regular basis, and look, we know that arm his arm talent, his arm strength doesn't match up to a lot of other starting quarterbacks in this league. He doesn't push it downfield. There are more limited shots, and they're going more to Judy because Judy creates the most separation of the three. Bridgewater doesn't really want to throw it in a tight window. Right. Jerry Judy, because of his route running, is the one who has the biggest windows. That's why I think he that's why he's getting the ball more often. Because Cortland Sutton, part of his game is you trust him to go up and get a jump ball. Right. But that means you're trusting him to do it in tight coverage. Tim Patrick, same thing. He can make a play with a defender draped on him. Bridgewater's instinct, I think, is he wants to see that window and the only one who seems to have that window on a regular basis of being open is Judy. It's kind of so thus he his style as a quarterback is ultimately incompatible with what with the receivers you have and that's why I think if you do look for a British quarterback next season maybe you take a look at a Gardner Minshew while you're developing a first round pick. I would have rather had Gardner Minshew anyway, but oh, me I too. but but I digress. He was our guy. With that you, you, using the car, the Indy car analogy, when you have the suspension that can allow you to keep your line, and I know I'm getting all auto racing 101 here, 
When you have the suspension that can take tight turns and keep the line that you need to maximize your speed, but your driver is afraid to take that line, okay, then you got to move on from the driver. And taking that tight turn is throwing into a tight window. And you have two great cars in your garage that can do that, but the driver doesn't want to maximize the capacity of that car to win a race. It's time to move on from the driver. Period. But you can't do that right now. No. Again, you can't. You're not you don't, going you to. You don't have a good relief option right That's now. That's right. That's the problem. Coming up after the break. Uh, I don't know how I stumbled upon this today. I was reading about the two-time Colorado High School Player of the Year. So I'm thinking, where's this kid going from Valor? He's going to Oklahoma. So I looked up the top kids in the state. And I'm seeing kids, top five, are going to Oklahoma, Ohio State, Nebraska, Michigan State, and Michigan. And I'm thinking, why aren't these guys staying here? Really? If they're good enough for Ohio State, they got to be good enough for Colorado. Matt McChesney, who knows a lot about high school recruiting, he works with a lot of these kids, will join us next. I feel there's nothing I can do. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason, watch us milehighsports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Don't pay retail, pay wholesale at Rocky Mountain Forest Products. Time now for the buzz. The buzz is presented by Eric Cook at Farmers Insurance, the Cook Insurance Group, focused on people, not policies. Call today at 303 790 8089. That's 303-790-8089. Okay, so I told you going to the break, I was reading about Gavin Sawchuck. He's a, a terrific running back out of Valor. So I'm thinking, where's this kid going? You know, did, did Colorado even try and take a bite out of that apple? He's going to Oklahoma. George Fitzpatrick, the second recruited guy or considered to be the second best guy in the state, another four-star recruit, he's going to Ohio State. Grant Page, out of Fairview, kids from Boulder. Kids from Boulder. Buff fans would throw up in their mouth knowing that this kid from Boulder is going to Nebraska. Braden Miller is going to, Ohio, uh, going to Michigan State. Connor Jones, out of uh, Palmer Ridge, is going to Michigan. I'm thinking, where is Carl Durrell in all of this? Did they did see you even offer these guys anything with that? Well, it gets worse because it's not the first year this has happened. It happened last all the time. year. Only one of the top five stayed in state. Two years ago, none of the top five stayed in state. The bottom line is this, Mace. This is a systemic problem at CU. I'm sorry if I'm not including CSU. And we'll talk to Matt McChesney and see if CSU is really good at recruiting Colorado kids. I'm guessing 
CSU is. We'll see with their new head coach who was just introduced today. With that, I want to bring in Matt McChesney, who knows as much, if not more, about college recruiting in this state from a local level than anyone. Matt, how are you, my friend? I'm damn good. How are you guys? Uh, we are damn good as well. So these kids that I just rattled off, to the best of your knowledge, did CU even make an effort at any of these five guys, or were they thinking, you know what, they're not going to stay in state. We just won't even bother. Well, even if they do make an effort with them, I, I think that the latter is the opinion in Boulder, unfortunately, right now, that they don't think they're going to be able to get the kids. So, you know, they're going to do just enough to keep, you know, the facts checkers hungry. So if you check that CU offered a kid, well, yeah, they offered him. Ex- with the exception of Connor Jones, who is committed to the University of Michigan, one of my guys that they didn't even look at. They didn't bring him in. They didn't talk to him. They never offered him. Why? I, I, Why? I don't know. And I can't, I, I can't put my thumb on it. It's been years of the same problem. And I'm just going to reel off some names and some places where these kids go. And I'm just talking about mine, the guys at 6-0 that train with me, that you would figure the people in Boulder, you, all the coaches up there, would have a pipeline to my guys. And I'm not saying that there's not a lot of Dungeon family in Boulder. There is. Uh, from Austin Johnson to Ray Robinson to Jake Wiley, you know, there's a lot of kids up there that do uh, come from 6-0 in Denver and Boulder area. But but when you have Cole Taylor going to LSU and Trey Zoom going to Texas A&M and Aiden Akina, K. Akina Aina going to Notre Dame, and Tate Wildeman and Mike Lynn and JoJo Doman all going to Nebraska, and now Grant Page going to Nebraska. And then you have Braden Miller going to Michigan State, his big brother, Bear Miller, who won the gold helmet in Colorado. He went to Stanford. Drake Nugent goes to Stanford. He was just named honorable mention All-Pac-12 as a center, as a, as a redshirt freshman this year. CU told me he was too short to play the position. Well, he's going to be a draft pick in the NFL in three years from now. Uh, starting for Stanford, you know, when you have Alex Padilla who helped Iowa win the West this year from Cherry Creek, they don't pursue him hard. And this is just scratching the surface. Like, I, I, there's, there's 15, 20 guys that I'm going to forget. Dalton Reisner went to Kansas State. Palin Belage went to Arizona State. Those, now we're talking about pros. So when you have a pipeline that is 6-0 Football Academy down in Denver and a guy who loves CU the way I do, I, I present my guys to them first every time. And it's amazing that some of the guys that they do recruit and the guys that they don't. And the only thing I can figure out on the guys they don't is that they don't think they're going to recruit them. And they don't think they're going to be able to retain them as players, which I believe is the fastest way not to get them. So, you know, one of the main contributing factors is that Colorado is not very good uh, and hasn't been for a while. That said, the way that you really get them to a level where they can compete with the nation and with the rest of the Pac-12 is keep all these kids that are being purged by the rest of the country, by top programs, home. And I don't know what they have to do to get that done, but you would figure that, I'll just use this as an example, since recruiting has opened back up after Thanksgiving, Michigan State's been in my office. Coach Kapovic was there for an hour and a half the other day, going over players, getting resumes, watching film. CU hasn't been there since Carl Durrell stepped in the room. And Coach Wilson, the defensive coordinator up there, is my defensive line coach when I played there. I'm not talking about the correspondence between him and I. The correspondence between him and I is awesome. The problem is there's not a whole lot of defensive linemen in Colorado, and that's just the truth. 
I mean, Jabbar Ramos at, and Jackson Adams over at Arapahoe. Jackson has a, an Air Force offer. I think he's good enough to play at CU. They haven't offered him. Ramos is committed to Colorado State. I think he's good enough to play at CU. They don't. So I, I'm in a position where I think there's a ton of talent here and a lot of kids that can play, and we're not just talking about mine. So at some point, the University of Colorado has got to figure out how to keep these kids home, and boy, they've been struggling with that for years. You mentioned a Michigan State coach has been in your office, but nobody from Carl Durrell's staff has been. So I guess the obvious connection there is Michigan State, Mel Tucker, was in, Bol- was in Boulder. Was CU more interested in guys in, in your program when Mel Tucker was there compared to now when Carl Durrell is there? Uh, the day after Mel got the job, he was in my office. There you go. And he, he had already offered you know three or four guys, and – he, he said to my face, my my you know number one goal is to control and dominate the state. And he's an extremely aggressive recruiter. And I dig that. I mean, I, I look, man, all they can say is no. I mean, you got to look at it like dating. And, I, you know, I, I don't know, maybe Mel Tucker's just a, a suave SOB out there, but he he's not afraid to talk. So if you're afraid to swing, you're, you're never going to get any. You're not going to get any recruits or girlfriends. So... Look, man, this year they're bringing in Travis Gray. Travis Gray is an unbelievably talented big tackle from Cherokee Trail. And that's awesome. We need to bag that kid. His dad played at Colorado back in the day. It took me literally 18 months to get them to offer him. It was like pulling teeth. Um, But I'm glad they did. Uh, Now, that said, you can't let Caden Weatherby go to Texas Tech, Braden Miller go to Michigan State, Luke Meyer and Alex Falk go to Air Force, Jabbar Ramos go to CSU, Adams probably go to Air Force or Wisconsin. And Wisconsin called me about him earlier today. Uh, and and then Connor Jones is the cap there going to the University of Michigan this year after Reese Atterbury two years ago also went to Michigan from Eagle Crest. So they, I'd say that right now they get about one out of every ten elite players out of my place. And that's not including Sawchuck and, you know, all mm-hmm. the kids at Creek and, you know, the kids at Valor that don't come to me and don't necessarily need my help. So... It's a, it's a very, very concerning problem. And I, the thing is, I think they can fix it. Like, I'm not just here to criticize. Like, if this has got to be looked at constructively. If this is in Boulder, if they look at anything I say as like, oh, my God, McChesney's talking junk, then this is my profession. This is a business. This is what we do. If that's the way they look at it, we'll just keep sending the players other places. We are talking with uh, Matt McChesney. I don't think there's anybody in town that knows more about local high school talent than him. He works with them at his facility, uh, the Dungeon Zero. Uh, give six, me, six zero. Six zero. Six, six zero Football Academy down in Parker, 10470 South Parker Road. I, I don't want anyone to think that we are just bagging on, on Colorado, but it is a fair point that right. a lot of Pac-12 talent is leaving the state. And let's be perfectly honest here there there is there is talent here no question ton of talent but 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 it's not california it's not texas it's not florida it's not georgia i understand that's always the argument so i guess the question for some of these coaches is okay it's like a crawfish boil it's a lot of work for a little meat so why don't we just go to california where we have fertile ground uh, I disagree. I, I think that the, it's so level everywhere and there's so many good players. It's about evaluation and development. I don't think that the, there's a ton of difference between a high school kid in California and a high school kid in Denver. I don't. I think it's about how they're developed when they get into the system. 
um, as long as they camp and they check out. I'm not talking about just every single kid. Now, all that said, if you take the last, I don't know, eight years and you go back and look at all the kids that have come out of the state of Colorado from McCaffrey's to Sawchuck this year to Balazs to Sam Jones to Reisner to all these pros, you could put together a college football team that is unbelievably dominant. And if you look around the country, you know, I guess there's Pac-12 talent there, but names I rattled off are from Grand Junction, Cole Taylor's at LSU, and Trey Zoon's at Texas A&M, and Aiden is at Notre Dame, and George is going to Ohio State, and we've got two guys from the gym and from, you know, front range at Michigan now, and Connor Jones and Reese Atterbury, and Kai's at Oregon, and like, so there's so much talent spread out around the entire country, and these coaches know, at least with me, that they can they can recruit nationally. Like, we, we I just got off the phone earlier with Garn Justice at Miami, and then Mario Cristobal probably announced that he's going there, so we who knows if he'll still be there, but that's my point is, the coaching carousel keeps these guys in rotation, and they know they can always come to me and get a developed young man that's going to, you know, go out and kick ass and not be worried about, you know, if he's there to play football or if he's there to go to school for free. So, you know, it's it's a slippery slope, but I think Colorado can compete on it. You know, you brought up Colorado State earlier. They can do a much better job as well. I mean, Jay Norvell, who I know personally is a great coach and a good evaluator of talent, they took Trevin Heil last year from Grandview, who's one of my guys, and played for him this year at center as a true freshman. Um, I've already been on the phone with uh, Coach Bill Best, who's probably going to be the new online coach up there coming from Nevada. And Jay and I are meeting next Tuesday down at the gym. So they've got to be able to wrap up these three-star kids that are all spread all over the state that CSU disregards, like Caden Dudley and Cord Kringlin and Shea Depot, who Boise State plucked last year. Shea was, is a, a true freshman playing at free safety in the Mountain West, was Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year or Player of the Week twice this year as a true freshman. Cord's a huge offensive lineman from Holy Family, right in the backyard of CU, who's a really good player. And Caden Dudley was committed to Colorado until Mel Tucker left and he wanted to open up his recruitment and ended up going to Boise State. Colorado can't lose commits to Boise State. Neither can CSU if they want to compete. So there's so much talent in the state. When you look around for CSU, they should be going after Blake Haggerty at Castleview, who's a three-star stud, and A.J. Jackson, who's a three-star quarterback at Douglas County, who's a three-star stud. Taylor Nichols, his center, is a three-star nose tackle. It's just there's so much talent around the state. The Colorado schools have got to be willing to pull the trigger and then hire people to develop the talent. It's not rocket science. It's the way it was done under Sonny Lubin and Gary Barnett, and it worked. Real quick, how long can it take to kind of really kind of turn this ship around and actually get it, get these programs to where, especially CU, to where they're taking and developing more of these guys properly? Uh, I don't know how long it's going to take. I, I'll tell you what kind of man it takes. It takes somebody that is unbelievably confident in their ability to to sell their program and develop the talent that's in-house. And if that means they have to go JUCO or transfer portal because they need to do it in a hurry, fine. But at the same time, it's not as if it can get any worse. They're losing kids out of the state at an unbelievable level. So if you're only bringing in one guy from the gym or two guys from the gym a year, and, and you know, that's really the only Colorado kids you're recruiting, well, man, I mean, come on. If you look up in Boulder, most of the freshmen and sophomores that played this year are from 6-0, from Chase Penry to Jake Wiley to, you know, all those kids I mentioned earlier. So 
The same goes at CSU. They're playing a ton of young guys who are from a lot of front-range schools, but they're also allowing UNLV and, you know, and, and, and BYU and Boise State and all these other schools that they're competing with to recruit and to steal their players. So they have to be confident enough to see a kid and go, okay, yes, he needs developmental help like every other kid here does, and I'm not just going to rely on the star system from rivals to determine on whether or not he's good. So, you know, as long as they continue to just go off of, well, Nevada offered him, so I'm going to. You know, yeah. that's a perfect mm-hmm. example of what CSU was doing. Zach Henning is a big tackle I work with from Grandview. He just got offered by Colorado State and then Colorado. But nothing happened until Nevada offered him. Nevada offered him, and then CSU was like, oh, well, Nevada offered him. I guess we should. Mm-hmm. Well, it shouldn't mm-hmm. be like that. No. Yeah. Hey, uh, real quick, Matt, tell us about uh, Six Zero Academy. How do people get a hold of you? So at Six Zero Academy on Twitter or Instagram, it's a, it's pretty it's pretty busy. We were in there at five a.m. this morning. They're still humming over there right now. Uh, we've got a ton of guys in there from Durango to Fort Collins to Frankfurt, Germany, and that's no lie. Um, we're there as a bridge and as an asset to everybody out there looking for help for college football recruiting and development. We also work with everybody for the pro combine and, and pro day. We've got a bunch of guys coming in for that, including Chad Muma, who's a Buckus Award finalist. Yep. Wyoming. Uh, from Legend High School, bro. Yep. And Colorado told yep. me that he couldn't play there. And I've been yep. with Chad for years, and now he's he's going to be in New York for the Butkus. So keep telling me there's no talent. At Six Zero Academy at Twitter and Instagram, at Six Zero Academy dot com on, uh, on the internet machine. And if you have any questions or concerns, we can help you. We can build that bridge to your goals. But oh, real quick, I, I should ask you this off air. A yeah, good sure. friend of mine, his son is a really good kicker, place kicker, yep. down in Florida. Okay. Would you be able to help him out? Absolutely. We oh. have the distance program. So as long as Dude. you're willing to put in the work, okay. you can help the kid find, <laughs> find placement. And actually, we've got a bunch of specialists in there right now. Uh, yep. Walker Heimlicker is the great long snapper down at Palmer Ridge. His dad is the tight end coach at Air Force. So All right. the connections roll. Matt, you're going to hear from a guy by the name of Sean Springman, his son, Stone Springman. Go look him up on social media, and this guy can kick it. And well, I bet they, you can help like the hell points. out of them. They like three points, brother. So anybody that can contribute, we're in. My man. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks guys. Take it easy. All right, coming up after the break, you teased at the top of the show. You have a whole new opinion of Bill Belichick, don't you? Yes, I do. We'll talk about that next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman, Mason. Watch us, milehighsports.com. Reach us, Rocky Mountain Forest Products. Twitter feed at Mace Denver, at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by Colorado Off-Road in Littleton. If you need major accessory brands or something off-market for your truck, car, Jeep, or SUV, they've got it. Upfit today at Colorado Off-Road or go to cooffroad.com. Well, I think it's fair to say that last year Tom Brady set the narrative that Belichick needed him more than Brady needed Belichick. You know Brady, you know Belichick proved yesterday? He doesn't even need a quarterback. He just needs a guy to hand off. And he can still win a game. Yeah. It was pretty impressive. He's a cyborg at this point. I mean, 
impervious to uh, to to the it, to the to the ebbs and flows of a game sticks with his plan no matter what. It was brilliant, and that was uh, he. So don't take anything away from Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels. Well, is they the work offensive. well together. They, they do. That and, was that's and I, it's Josh I, McDaniels' offense. And I don't look. I don't tr- when Belichick retires and in all likelihood hands the reins to Josh McDaniels. Yes. I don't trust McDaniels to keep that train on the tracks in the same way. Well, it's because of the personality. Right. But the but what the two of them have together works. Yes. Belichick, I think you could say sort of uh, but, but the truth is he's made it work. The truth is he has made it work with everybody. Well, he's made it work with Bill O'Brien, he's made it work with uh, Charlie Weiss. That's going way back. Right. He's always always had his guys that he's made it work with. And then but what have those guys done? When they left, yeah, but that's Bill but O'Brien. That, but, that, but that's not success. the point of this conversation. the 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 point is, is that all those well, no, guys we're talking about those guys. That's why. But then again, those guys also had Tom Brady, right? Those guys had Tom Brady. What Josh McDaniels' game plan was excellent. But Josh McDaniels got the Bronco job after he did well with Matt Castle. Remember that? That was what kind of that was what really pushed him on everybody's radar. The Brady work was good, but remember in 2008. They went 11-5 and five with Matt Castle playing 15 games. So, again, the narrative was, wow, Belichick needs Brady far more than the other way around. Is it a 50-50 now? I think it was 50-50 even before. Hmm. I mean, I, the, the, people want to say it's one or the other when the reality is it was a harmonious convergence right. of two people together. What, what Belichick, though, can do, Belichick is a problem solver. And he has problem solvers on his staff. And that's one, one thing about a def- defensive head coach sometimes, and Belichick at his heart is a defensive coach, is that when they're looking at big picture problems for the team and issues, they're willing to do whatever it takes to get by. Like it's telling that, for example, the last team to win, uh, the last teams to win a game, win games with single-digit passes, take a look at, for example, the 2017 Bears, the 2011 Broncos, when Tebow threw it eight times in Kansas City, John Fox was the coach. John Fox, has, John Fox has won three games, one with every team he coached at, that by passing eight or fewer times. And Belichick has done it too. And there, there's defensive coaches are more willing to say, defensive-oriented coaches as head coaches are more willing to say, whatever it takes to win, I don't care how it looks, I don't care if it's not fancy, we're going to do we're going to go with an audacious plan just to win today. It may not work in the future, but we're just trying to win today. And the genius of Belichick beyond that is a, that he he and McDaniels basically did this on game day right. when realizing what the weather was. Yeah. This wasn't preparing all week. This was a we got to play tonight at at 8.20, and we're making this plan at 3 o'clock. Well, I'm sure the Patriots wide receivers are thinking, why the hell do we run all those routes in practice this week? We certainly didn't need them. With that, I think they're happy being the number one seed in the AFC right now. If they start playoffs, right. so back. they are the number one seed in the AFC right now yep. at a nine, with a nine and four record. Remember, they missed the playoffs last year, and the Buccaneers are doing what the Buccaneers do with Tom Brady. I know Broncos fans don't want to hear this because they have an equal disdain for Brady and for Belichick, and quite frankly, that's the way it is, generally speaking, around the country. But what kind of Super Bowl story would this be? You just happened upon the thing that the NFL is rooting for harder than any other possibility. Brady Belichick would probably be the most watched Super Bowl in the history of the sport. And I don't think it would be close. Yeah. 
Any the book? greatest storyline that we've seen. I mean, people thought 22 years ago, in January of 99, there was a lot of intrigue on Dan Reeves versus John Elway. That is nothing compared to Belichick versus Brady. Can I tell you why, as a Broncos fan, you should, if the Broncos aren't going to make it, which I don't think they are, this is why you should root for Brady against Belichick. Brady, I think, might have a chance to win another one, whether it's this year or not. I think Belichick will have a chance to win another one, whether it's this year or not. But you know what? One of them is going to lose. So at least you can celebrate that. Well, the other reason. If they face yeah. each other, one of them is going to lose. So at least you can get excited about that. Well, there's another reason why I think you should just go ahead and, if that Super Bowl happens, pull for the Bucks and Tom Brady. The Patriots, if they emerge in this decade as a power, just as they have been for most of the last two decades, it's another log on what appears to be a nightmarish fire for teams in the AFC that are in the backwash. How would you like to Like, be- all of a sudden, it's not just the Chargers with Herbert and the Chiefs with Mahomes and the Ravens with Lamar Jackson, who diced up the Broncos this year, and Josh Allen with the Bills. You're going to throw Belichick with another Super Bowl team on that? When are the Broncos going to be able to get themselves up if they don't get a Rodgers or a Wilson? There's only one team in one city I feel badly for if that's the case. Buffalo Bills. They finally got Josh Allen. They thought, okay, we're going to rule the East for years. And right now, they're looking up at the Patriots. And you know what? That game last night, weather-wise, you brought in Josh Allen to win that game, right? Strong arm, be able to pass through the wind. Yep. They're dropping passes. Matt Breed is fumbling. They blew it. What do we have coming up on Mountain High Appliance, just in case you missed it? Happy birthday to a legend in the world of basketball. We'll tell you who that is on the other side and what Nikola Jokic's gift, so to speak, was to him. And also some reports about NBA teams interested in trades and should the Nuggets be engaging in those trade talks. That's on the other side right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason on Mile High Sports. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason. Watch us, milehighsports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for the final word. The final word. Presented by Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. Greenfields has everything under one roof, including the best happy hour in town, two-for-one wine, well, and drafts from 3 until 7 p.m. Just in case you missed it. 
presented by Mountain High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville, Colorado Springs, and now open in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. Just in case you missed it, a happy 65th birthday to Larry Bird. As a gift, Nicole Jokic passed Larry Legend on the all-time triple doubles list, and uh, Jokic and the hick from French Lick have been compared often by many in the basketball world, including uh, Greg Popovich. In what other nuggets? I'm laughing. Because they're white. That's why. Well, I saw a clip today of a lot of highlights, and they make the same moves, the no-look passes, oh, I know. the fadeaway on the baseline. It's not all about race. But, but in what other... Go ahead. Go ahead. But in what other nuggets do you see similarities to Hall of Famers? Besides Jokic and Bird? Yes. Uh, Barry Bonds and uh, Willie Mays. Very similar guys. Five to a play. Okay, what about the Nuggets, though? Oh, with the Nuggets? Yeah, um, that, that's, uh, that, uh, that's putting me on the spot. I have, to, I have to really think about that one, Danny. Um, I don't have a good answer for you right now. <sighs> that See, I'll give, I'll give you two guys who are similar. Dominique Wilkins and Carmelo Anthony. Both great offensive players who really didn't do anything else. <laughs> All they did was want to score. And that's why Dominique Wilkins had a difficult time advancing as far as he probably wanted to. Those two guys, to me, will always be tied together in my own brain. I don't know if anybody else agrees, but that's how I see those guys tied well, together. Well, I think the thing with Dominique Wilkins is people mostly think of the uh, the dunks, the human highlight reel. And right. That was not Mel- Mello was a shooter, not a dunker. No, no, I understand that. But, but I don't they were both offensive-oriented players. They were completely offensive. They were one-trick ponies. Their, their trick was really, really good. Hall of Fame, great. But that's what they did. That those are the two guys that I can think of. We'll keep it with the Nuggets. Just in case you missed it, according to Shams Charania and Bob Kravitz of The Athletic, the Indiana Pacers are moving toward a rebuild and receptive to trade talks regarding Miles Turner, DeMontis Sabonis, and Karis Lavert. Should the Nuggets and Tim Connolly be making calls on any of those three players? If they fit in the salary cap, yeah. I don't think any of those guys... And you tell me, none of those guys really jump off the page, do they? Are they real difference makers that can get them a couple rounds into the playoffs? I mean, they're high up against the cap with MPJ and and, and all those guys. And what are they going to give up? I mean, I I don't know if any of them are going to be starters on the Nuggets, are they? Yeah, and to me, I don't think you're necessarily looking for a starter because... I think one of the things that the Nuggets are hurting for most right now is some size off the bench yeah. because outside of Zeke Naji, you yeah. don't have very much of that. Right. So maybe one of those two big men, if it fits with the cap and if they are receptive to that kind of role coming off of the bench. Yeah, yeah that's the thing. I mean, Sabonis would make uh, sense being a 6'11 guy, but the problem the problem is he's somebody who should be starting. He's somebody who, who justifiably should be playing 30 to 35 minutes a night. And I don't think that's – and that's – not necessarily there for him with the Nuggets, so he's a he'd be a helpful player. I mean, he'd be terrific on almost any team. I just don't know if the Nuggets would be able to get enough out of him. 
Yeah. All right, that was a Mountain High Appliance. Just in case you missed it, you can walk in any store and try out the appliances before you buy them, not to mention their sales staff. Not only helpful, but knowledgeable. I mean, they can help you redesign an entire kitchen. They can help you find something to fit your budget. Mandy, she just got a washer from them. She could not be any happier. Got a great price. Got exactly what she wanted. Got a Mountain High Appliance. You can find them in Louisville, Littleton. You can also find their clearance center in Denver. Coming up after the break is the Pressure off the Broncos playing the Lions because they finally won a game. The pressure's on to make the playoffs, but is the pressure off because, man, if they lose, holy cow, they're going to be crucified. And I don't mean to use that word in the literal sense, like Minnesota's being crucified. Because they lost to Detroit. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you think that you know, there are some teams that have had long losing streaks or long winless skids yeah. where they finally win and the coach that of the team they beat gets fired. Right. Mike Zimmer still has his job yeah. for now. For now. <laughs> and a lot of people are calling for his head yeah. and not just because of the loss to the Lions. Yeah. That's next. Yeah.